Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Earlier in chapter 22, you can read it in your own time, we talked about this servant girl who kept checking Peter out as Peter was sitting by the fire. And this servant girl kept checking him out because she thought she had seen him hanging around Jesus. And finally, she said, I know where I know you from. You were with Jesus. And Peter said, I don't know the man. Well, after a while, another saw him and said, you are one of them because you're a Galilean. In verse 59 of chapter 22, go ahead and look at it. You are one of them because you're a Galilean. In another gospel, it says you are one of them because your speech betrayeth you. Your speech betrayeth you. In other words, if you were from Galilee, you had a Galilean accent. Makes sense. If you're from New York, you got a New York accent. If you're from New York, I know you're from New York. Just open your mouth. If you're from New Jersey, I know you're from Jersey. If you're from Philadelphia, I know you're from Philly. If you're from uh, the Midwest, I know you're from the Midwest. If you're from Texas, I know you're from Texas. Where are you from? Texas. It's just a way you say it. You just know where a person is from. If you're from the South, people know you're from the South, especially if you're from the Deep South. People know you're from the South. Where you from? Down South. You got to say it with the head down, down said. <laughs> it's true. One time I was out somewhere. I was out somewhere. I don't even know where I was. It was very far out from here. <laughs> and this, I, I guess I stopped for something. I don't know. And you know you know, you in a south. When you walk into, a, into like a, a gas station place and they got wrapped cheese on the counter. Am I right about it? They got wrapped cheese on the counter. Or they got a bottle of pig's feet. Mm-mm, pass it on roll like that. No, no, no. They got a bottle of pig's feet. Y'all seen them. And I walked in. And <laughs> well, you a little guy, too, with a big voice. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> and uh, and the guy was talking. I asked him something. He he said he directions or something. He gave me directions, and I'm telling you, I didn't know what that man said. <laughs> I'm, he sounded like he was from. I, I didn't know what he said. His, his southern drawl was so southern. I did not know what he was talking. I'm, I'm like, excuse me. 
And I, I honestly didn't know what he was saying because, you know, when you're from a certain area, your, your, your accent, you know, will, will betray you. It will, it will tell us that you're from that area. And can you imagine now the, the disciples, they are from the Galilee. The Galilee is a region. The Galilee is a territory. It is not a city. So around the Sea of Galilee are cities. But the Galilee is a territory, it's a region, it's an area. So can you imagine the disciples, and it's, by the way, north of Jerusalem and in the country. If you go to Israel with us in 2012, we will spend a bit of time in, Galilee, in the Galilee, and you'll see it is country folk out there. So can you imagine the disciples going to Jerusalem? For them, that was like the big city. That was like Andy Griffith. You know, they go into the big city, y'all. Can you imagine the disciples when they first got to Jerusalem and they saw the temple? And the temple was beautiful. It was majestic. It was awesome. And they probably got there and they saw the first time saw the temple. And they were like, man, that is some there building. Man, look at that there. Look at that there building. Because they were from the south. They were from a country area. Their speech betrays them. So this girl, this person sees Peter and he says, your speech betrays you. You're a Galilean. I can tell where you're from because your speech betrays you. Christian, listen at this. Christian, let me have your attention. Your speech should betray you. It should. If you're a believer... Your speech should betray you. People should know that you're a Christian by the way you speak. Or even know you're a Christian by what you don't say. Like they're in the office, you know what I mean? They're in the office and they're telling jokes, off-color jokes. And, and you, know, you know, you don't get a little laugh along with that or jump in with that. You know, they're telling off-color jokes and they're laughing and you laughing right along. <laughs> it ain't funny, not for a Christian. A Christian shouldn't be involved with that. A Christian should use his tongue to praise the Lord. A Christian should use his tongue to glorify the Lord. A Christian should use his tongue to edify his brother or sister. A Christian should use his tongue not for gossip, but for encouragement and equipping and edifying one another. Not using your tongue for what Satan would have you to do. Your speech should betray you. When you hear things, you ought to say something. Say something. I do. Honestly, I tell you, I do. When people, you know, don't misunderstand me. I'm not like Mr. Mr. Holy, Mr. Religious about it. But when people say things around me, I, I, I honestly tell them as nice as I possibly can. Would you mind not using that language in my presence? Y'all are mighty quiet. Would you mind not using the, the, the F word in my presence? It offends me. Yes, it does. And, and, I, and I say that. Would you mind not speaking that way or in my presence? Listen, Satan is bold. And Satan will get in your face about whatever with whatever. It's all around you. Don't you see it? Turn on the TV. Look at the news. 
any movie. I mean, even in the movies, even little kids. It's just like nothing to me is more offensive than to see a little kid in the movies cursing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all, oh, y'all, holy, y'all don't go to the movies. I'm sorry. I'm, I've got the wrong church. The kids are cussing. Listen, nothing wrong with having your kids in the movie. There's nothing wrong with that. But listen, as a parent, you should say to the agent or to the scriptwriter, listen, my child will not be able to say those words in this script. Because my, I'm teaching my children to use their tongue to, for other purposes. Or to use their tongue to glorify the Lord. Your speech, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because that's true. Your speech should betray you. And in the same vein, don't get me wrong, I don't think you need to go super spiritual either. Because got, you got people like that too. You know what I mean? Their speech betrays them. You know, you're, how you doing? You ask them, how you doing? How you doing? I just say, hey, how you doing? Oh, yes, I'm saved. Yes, hallelujah, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. Wait a minute, I just asked, how you doing? Yes, I'm feeling, oh, bless coming in, bless going out, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want to, and the Lord, uh. It's just like, wait a minute, I just asked, how you doing? Look, I tell you what, have a nice day. I mean, don't get all super spiritual on it, you know what I mean? But your speech should betray you. The words that's coming out of your mouth should sound like something that a Christian could say and would say that glorifies the Lord. Somebody clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Would you do that? And this girl says to Peter, I recognize you. You were with Jesus. You were one of those Christians. And Sue and Peter denied it. And he said, let my soul be eternally damned if I was one of them, with them. And the Bible says, as soon as Peter denied the Lord, the third time the rooster crowed. Now, interesting, listen to this. I just learned this yesterday, a couple of days ago. Listen to this. According to the Talmud, I want to, listen, listen, I want to show you God's sovereignty. According to the Talmud, which is a a set of Jewish writings, there was an ordinance that said no roosters or hens were allowed within the borders of Jerusalem during the Passover because the religious leaders consider roosters unclean. Notice God's sovereignty here. One rooster sneaks into the city. One rooster. And this rooster, is this God or not? This rooster is is in just the right place at just the right time and crows at just the right moment. Is that a God thing? And we know that the rooster wasn't listening to the conversation when Jesus said, Peter, Peter, the Lord's you're going to deny me. After, and then the rooster, three times, and the rooster's going to crow. He, he, the rooster didn't hear that. And the rooster didn't hear when Peter said, I don't know him. Let me be eternally damned if I do. Uh, the, the rooster didn't know that. So it's possible, listen, when Peter denied the Lord that third time, it's possible that God poked the rooster at just the right time, and he crowed. That's possible. 
So we left off the last time when the rooster crowed, Peter remembered the words of the Lord. In verse 62, saints, I want you to look at it. He remembered the words of the Lord. And what did he do? He went out and did what? Wept bitterly. That brings us to verse 63, saints. I've titled this sermon, Holiness on Trial, if you're taking notes. Holiness on Trial, Luke 22, pick up in verse 63. If you're looking at verse 63, say, I'm looking at it. Oh, some of y'all ain't looking at it. Verse 63, if you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. it. Now, the men who held Jesus, who held Jesus, mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and they asked him, saying, prophesy. Who is the one who struck you? And many, verse 65, many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. Well, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the scribes came together and they led him into their council saying, if you are the Christ, then tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you will by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter, in verse 69, are you looking at it? Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And then they all said, are you then the Son of God? Don't you get like a sense of frustration there? Are you then the Son of God? So he said to them, you rightly say that I am. And they said, well, what further testimony do we need? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember I told you a couple of weeks back, I told you that chapter 22, uh, verse 54, was the beginning of six trials of Jesus. If you're taking notes, the first trial was at the house of Annas. The second, at the house of Caiaphas. The third, to the court of the Sanhedrin. The fourth, from the Sanhedrin to Pilate. The fifth, Pilate, wanting to get Jesus off his hands, sends him to Herod Antipas. And six, Herod was anxious to see Jesus and questions Jesus because Jesus didn't answer a word. And then he sent him back to Pilate. Now, at this time in our text, listen, Jesus is at the home of the high priest and he's been falsely arrested because according to the law, any man taken to a place of detention had to have a specific charge against him. So they arrested Jesus, but they haven't charged him with a crime. So after arresting him, they take him to the house of the high priest. And it is there, saints, listen, it is there that the soldiers begin their sick, twisted game of punch the king. They would blindfold him and circle around him and then punch him as hard as they could. And then they would say, prophesy. Think about that. They take Jesus. They put him in the center. They put a sackcloth, burlap or whatever, over his head. And then they punch him as hard as they can. I mean, think about what that would do to your face. Because, you know, when you can, and boxers will tell you that, if you can see a punch coming at you, you can brace for it. You know, if you've been in a car accident, perhaps you understand this. If you can see the car coming at you, 
you, your body automatically, you just kind of brace for it. You just, your body just locks down because you know the car is coming. And many people have walked away from would-be fatal car accidents because they just lock down and they just brace themselves. But if you don't see it coming, then anything can happen. So there have been reports, doctors have even told me that people have stepped off the curb because they didn't know the curb was there. And they're just walking along. They stepped off the curb, didn't see the curb, and broke their ankle because they didn't see it. Well, think about it. Jesus, is sack all over his head, they just punch him. He doesn't see it coming. And probably just fractures his face. Horrible, sick game. And then they said, prophesy, tell us, Who punched you? Now listen, don't make the mistake to think that things are getting out of hand. Because all these things were prophesied 700 years before they happened. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 6, I have it for you on the screen. It says, I gave, matter of fact, saints read it with me, would you? I gave my back, can everybody read it with me? I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Isaiah 52, verse 14, write that down. It says that his visage, his visage, his appearance was so marred, it was marred more than any other man. So Jesus is beaten, mocked, spit on, and they ask him, prophesy, who hit you? Now, listen, could Jesus, question for you, could Jesus prophesy with a blindfold on who struck him? Yes, absolutely. But not only could Jesus prophesy who hit him, he could tell everything about the one who hit him. He could tell his height. Somebody say amen. He could tell his weight. He could tell his, the color of his skin. He could tell if he had a big mole on his nose. The Bible says that God knows the number of the hairs on your head. Jesus could have had the blindfold on his head and said, the guy with the big fat head with two hairs on his head, punch me. He could have. He could have, but he didn't. Why? Why didn't he? Well, I think for several reasons. He did it, number one, I think, to show us to practice what we preach. Jesus said, pray for those who despitefully misuse you. He did it to show the proper response for hate. Listen, the proper response for hate is not hate. The proper response for hate is what, saints? Love. He did it to show love. He did it to demonstrate his, the, the, his trust in the Father, that he didn't need to get revenge. God was his defender, and God would do the vindicating. He did it so that every time, listen, every time we are humiliated, we can look at Jesus and say, Jesus knows exactly what I'm going through. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest. Matter of fact, it's on the screen. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, do you understand something? 
everything that you go through, that you have ever experienced, that you have ever felt, God has felt it. Every feeling you've ever felt. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us because he's felt what we felt. So when you feel depression, he's felt that. When you feel lonely, he's felt that. When you feel humiliated and disrespected and misused and persecuted and talked about and, and, and joy and happiness and all of these things, God can identify with your feelings. And so he endured these things. So they're, they're punching him and they're Spitting on him. Is anybody listening to me? They're spitting on him. In my humble opinion. Yeah, I said humble. Spitting is the nastiest thing you could really ever do to somebody. Don't did anybody do you agree with that? You agree? That's just nasty. Not only is it nasty. But it also speaks of your disdain for that which you're spitting upon. It just says something about you and how you feel about that which you're spitting upon. They're spitting on Jesus and they're punching him. And get this, saints, he is enduring it all. And Hebrews tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured. Endure the cross and despise the shame. You know what the endurance was for? The endurance was for you. And the endurance was for me. Because Jesus could look down through the cores of time and he could see on May 1st at 6 p.m. All of those people coming in that water, getting baptized and making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. And he can see the commitments that have been made throughout the centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years of believers who give their hearts to him and give their lives to him. And he changes them and he makes them new and he transforms them and he takes beauty, ashes, and he make something beautiful out of it and he could look through quarters of time and see that and that is what brought the joy of your salvation caused him to endure the cross and he endured it all man I love the Lord but I'm going to tell you something if you spit on me Hallelujah, anyhow, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to get caught up in the spirit. And the spirit ain't going to tell him what's going to happen. I, you know what? I might just say, you know what? The Lord said I'm going to be persecuted in his name, so I'm just going to walk away and go on and clean up and just go on about my business. Or I might kill you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. How did he endure that? And then in verse 65, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. It tells us they did more stuff and spoke against him. In verse 66, look at verse 66, saints. Are you looking at it? If you're looking at it, say amen. And as soon as it was day, which means that they were beating Jesus and playing this sick little game all night to early in the morning. Did you know that? Early in the morning, the big mucky mucks show up 
and they're frustrated. The other gospels tell us that they're, they, they, they tried to bring witnesses against him, but they couldn't get their stories degree because they were all liars. So the chief priests are frustrated, aggravated, irritated, and they say, verse 67, if you are the Christ or if you are the Messiah, then tell us. Now get the scene in your mind's eye. Jesus is sitting there, spit running down his face bloodied, beaten, exhausted. He can barely stand up. And Caiaphas is mockingly asking, are you the Christ or are you the Messiah? Now listen, this question is pregnant with meaning. In other words, he's asking, are you the Holy One of Israel? Are you the hope of our nation? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.